episode 164, Journey into the Mysterious House of Terror's Vault of Astonishing Suspense, a comic book time machine horror minisode. The House of Mystery number 257. Travelers, it's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I wasn't expecting to do this episode, but I felt like I had to do this episode. Now, this is just a, a short, quick shot episode. This is what we call the Journey into the Mysterious House of Terrors, Vault of Astonishing Suspense. And using this title, I explore anthology horror comics and so i already did one that was journey into mystery from marvel and this one is a house of mystery from dc but the reason i had to do it was because this comic while featuring some fairly par for the course short horror stories features one of the most audacious christmas horror shorts that i have ever ever read in my life and so I hold in my hands a Christmas gift, a Christmas miracle, if you would. A Christmas miracle because I had mentioned that I had packed away the comics, the Christmas-themed comics that I had planned to take a look at on Comic Book Time Machine in the month of December. And last night I was looking through a a long box, and lo and behold, I found two of those Christmas-themed comics. One of them was a Man-Thing comic that I will probably save for later. It's a Jam Jam Demetrius, him, uh, when he did a run on Man-Thing and has a nice cover of Man-Thing with the Santa Claus costume on. And the other was this one. It's a The House of Mystery number 257. It is an 80-page, all-new stories, dollar comic. And it is a thick and hefty book. And I bought this specifically for the cover. I knew nothing about what was inside other than I probably imagined that there would be some short stories, a couple of them Christmas-themed, and it would be Cain and Abel who would be hosting the stories. And like I said, I felt like I just had to, had to, had to uh, do it this year. I read it last night and enjoyed uh, some of these these par-for-the-course kind of horror stories. One is about a guy who uh, his wife wants to get rid of him, and she is seeing a uh, surgeon who does surgery on the husband and turns him into a frogman, and then he puts them in a house of mirrors, and they come out of that house of mirrors completely distorted. And it's it's a shock. It's a shocker, I tell you. And that's the whole point of all of these stories is they're shockers. Uh, the cover, though, let's start with the cover. The House of Mystery, it, it has a picture. It's a Christmas scene, uh, a Christmas scene that I did not necessarily expect to see a story that went along with this scene because that doesn't always happen with these House of Mystery uh, covers. But I kind of hoped to. I, I was curious about what was going on on the cover here. You've got two kids who are so excited and they're just running into the living room 
and they're running toward that set-up Christmas tree with presents under the tree, but behind the tree, crouched and hunched over with long straggly hair and claws and really well-defined muscles and yellow eyes with no pupils and fangs and a goatee and big beastly pointy ears is a monster a monster who has taken a doll and just torn it apart and it's creepy-ish um but it's the kind of story that I was actually expecting to get when I got to the Christmas portion of the stories in in this comic. This cover was drawn by Joe Orlando and inked by Dick Giordano. Now there's six stories inside, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories inside, but technically there's eight stories inside because you have the framing story, and it's the framing story that's the story that just got to me. The other stories, they're, they're like I said, they're, they're par. They're par for this style of thing. Some of them are cheesy. Some of them don't make much sense. Some of them are uh, really clever. The Ebony God is about a great white hunter who steals a god from an African tribe, and it turns out that the god is actually a real god that does bring peace to their land. And then there's a gift from Satan where a man bargains with Satan and surprisingly um, gets uh, tricked in the deal. There's To Catch a God, which is probably the, the most visually stunning as you're going along with this story. It's about three people who are on uh, like an archaeological kind of... of uh, a journey together, and they are looking for these for Eros, uh, the god, and and so they the, one of the guys is like ah it's just a cupid, you know, and the, no it's not a cupid, this is a god we're talking about, and they find an egg and they think it's the spawn of Eros, and so the uh they they think that it might be the spawn of a flying man in the, in the nearby area, and turns out that the flying man is not a flying man, it's a harpy, and. But the reveal at the end is really cool when you actually see the creature. You see from afar the flying flying man, quote-unquote. But then when you get to that last page after everyone's dead and you see the the harpy, it's really good looking. It's drawn by, by Michael Golden and, and written actually by David Michelini. Um, Mirror Madness is kind of a, I don't know, it really wasn't that great. <laughs> I'm not sure if any of these are reprints. I guess I should uh, or I could check on uh, Mike's Amazing World. But, uh, yeah, this one is the one that feels like it could be a reprint. It feels older. Uh, you know, this, this comic book itself is from 1977. The cover date is March, April 78, but the release date is December 1977. Now, the first few stories, one, two, three, yeah, through Mirror Madness, Ebony God, Gift from Satan to Catch God, and Mirror Madness, they're all told by Cain of the Cain and Abel duo. Uh, haunts upon a time is kind of a you know it's supposed to be a ghost story with a twist but not not really fastest draw in the east actually is probably uh the best written of the bunch it's written by scott edelman and drawn by mark d bright this one is about a comic book artist who really wants to take the place of Another comic book artist, and the uh, the second comic book artist, this this hotshot artist, draws six books a month. And when you get, finally get to see him, he 
I'm I'm positive that they were you know riffing on on Jack Kirby with this with this story. But you have the the new upstart guy, and he wants to take that guy's place instead of being an assistant. But he's like, I'll be okay. I, I'm going to stick with my my lot in life. And then as he's researching a story, uh, he sees a spell that he tries to cast to kill the Jack Kirby uh, archetype guy. And and it works. And so he then is able to kind of take the place of him. He's going to finish the story that that other artist didn't get to finish. He's also going to draw the in memoriam thing. And this whole thing is he just wants to get into comics, you know. And so that's the big punchline at the end. He draws the in memoriam and, and then the artist who had died reaches up from the page, grabs this upstart artist, pulls him into the page and then says something like, well, you always wanted to get into comics. And then Abel gives his second punchline, which is, I hate long, drawn-out stories. And then Father to the Beast, which is uh, written by David Michelini again. Uh, the artist is Arthur Sudam. And I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but he actually did a cover for one of my books. Uh, he drew the cover for one of the Oz Wonderland issues. And it's a it's a moody story, and I like the simplistic art that, that gets used in this. Until you get to the end, I almost feel like at the end he's just kind of getting tired of the story, and so it's not as not as well done. But the whole uh, punchline there is that there's a werewolf, they kill the werewolf, and then the werewolf comes back, and they at the end they they are told, well, actually the werewolf was uh, he's a werewolf, so he's only half alive because it's actually Frankenstein who has taken a dead man, brought him to life, and then it became a werewolf. And so when they killed the werewolf, they killed the the human side. It, it's, it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and I didn't really like it that much. But the big twist was it was Frankenstein who was involved with this werewolf. Now... The main event. I bought this because of the cover. I bought this at buymetoys.com, which is my local comic book shop where I go and get my weekly comics. Then there's Tom's Vintage Toy Store, which is just down the block from me. And that's where I go to get um, specific things, and uh, but also cheap back issues and that sort of thing. Uh, buymetoys.com doesn't always carry this kind of old 70s horror kind of thing. But I think I mentioned this in the previous episode where they had a small stack of these where every week I would go in and I would grab uh, one or two of these that are kind of over in a stack that hadn't been put into the long boxes yet. And this was one where I'm like, ooh, Christmas, I could do a, a podcast episode about this. And so I grabbed it you know, months ago and... I'm actually doing it. And the reason why that I am recording about this particular comic is because of the framing story. Now, the framing story uh, has the House of Mystery hosts, Cain and his brother Abel, and they live in the House of Mystery. And they it's Christmas Eve, and they are sleeping in their bedroom together <laughs> on their uh, separate twin beds. And there's a warm fire in the fireplace, and the setup in the first three panels, uh, let's see here, it, it goes like this. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there." You've heard that set up before. Well, it turns out St. Nicholas is on his way to their house. And in the third panel, you can see through the window, there's a fireplace, Christmas tree, the two beds. And then through the window, you can see a man in a red suit running through the snow. But then in the large splash-ish splash <laughs> panel on the page, 
Uh, you can see that this is a story called The House of Mystery, written by Paul Cooperberg and drawn by Rick Estrada and Wayne Howard. And the Santa Claus that's running toward their house uh, has two pistols, one in each hand. He's wearing a Santa suit but doesn't have the beard. And then it says 11.32 p.m., Christmas Eve, a lone figure races frantically toward the single beacon of light in the snow-covered night. The freshly fallen powder seems to absorb all sound, and the brightly garbed man runs as if in a dream devoid of any reality. But who is to say what is real, especially here at the House of Mystery? So what we find out is this guy's actually a murderer. He not he doesn't knock on the door. He shoots the door's lock, goes inside. Outside, there's Christmas decorations. Inside, uh, this isn't their bedroom where they have a Christmas tree set up. No, but inside, there's just it's just an empty house with lots of cobwebs and stuff like that. And Cain and Abel come, and they, they confront the guy, and the guy turns on the radio. You hear a radio report that he's killed six people since he's escaped from an asylum. And now he's just waiting out the police, and... So he keeps his guns drawn on Cain and Abel, and he uh, he demands stories. <laughs> it's kind of dumb, <laughs> but at the, okay. So these three pages, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it's the frame, you know, to get the stories that we're going to get, and to get the stories that that Cain is going to tell us, and and then halfway through the book, you get a single page where we go back to them. And and they switch storytellers, and this is where Abel starts telling his his three stories in this book. Uh, they listen to the radio to see what's going on with the police, and they hear something on the roof. And then he points his gun and says, "All right, tell me your story, Fatso." And so Abel tells his stories, and Abel is the one who tells really the two stories that uh, have kind of the most uh, the, the ones that I like the most. You know, so it has the the Arthur Sudam art and the 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 story that's uh, written by, oh, I can't remember, is it David? No, Scott Edelman, the comic book guy story. And so he tells those two, three stories, and then we come back to them. And this is where it gets so audacious. It's just one page where they come back, and this Santa crook, uh, Killer Cohen is his name, he hears something on the roof again. And so he's going to go up on the rooftop to find out what's going on. And he gets up there and he's like, what? No, it can't be. It can't possibly be. And he actually fires his gun at the person on the roof. Well, you know who that person on the roof is. I know who that person on the roof is. He knows who that person on the roof is. And as he's firing, he falls backward, falls off the roof and lands on what in the panel where he's landing looks like it could be, outdoor decoration right in fact let me flip back to the beginning it is it's a decoration <laughs> so this decoration is actually on top of the porch and so when he falls off the roof he lands on it it is a sleigh with four reindeer with very pointy antlers and he lands on his back on those antlers and then uh <laughs> so Apparently, I don't know if that's meant to be decoration up there or if that actually is Santa who's just been waiting around for a half an hour or whatever. But the sleigh flies away with him hanging off the antlers. And Cain and Abel are left to decide, like, what's going on. Abel says, or Cain, I was, uh, was that who I think up on the roof? And then Cain says, <laughs> yes, Abel, there is a, well, you know who. And then we get the end of that poem. And he gave a great cry as he drove out of sight. A Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. And yes, this Christmas decoration 
Maybe. Or is it actually Santa Claus? Possibly. But they're flying away, and he is hanging off the antlers. And it's so macabre and so I don't I don't know je ne sais quoi um, I'm just going to pull out all of my uh, artsy soundy foreign words but this guy is just dead stabbed through the back through his chest you can actually see the antler protruding from his chest as this Santa Claus and reindeer fly away from the house of mystery and so even though I intended to just set this aside and maybe talk about it next year, I, I couldn't wait. I had to do a mini episode. The kids are watching a movie, and it's a movie that I've seen many, 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 many times. I love the movie. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful movie. But I just had to take a few minutes here and just record this short episode about this Christmas comic, The House of Mystery. It's not a classic. You never hear people talking about it, and it doesn't get placed in reprints or anything like that. And that's because what's really good about this and the Christmassy part of this is the frame story. The frame story that, while it could be taken away from this and put with almost any other short stories in any other context, and it would work. You know, you could take any any short stories. You could take this frame story and, and stick it into uh, Christmas with the superheroes and have uh, Kane just start telling a story about the time Superman saved Christmas and... And then back to the the scene in the house where the guy has his gun on them and, and demands that Abel tell a story, you know, and then Abel could tell a story about Wonder Woman saving Christmas or whatever. Uh, it could work that way, but <laughs> this ending of this criminal shooting at Santa and falling off the roof, because on the in the first page, Santa is sitting in the sleigh uh, on what looks like this decoration on top of the porch. Uh, in the, the the back page here, when he falls off the roof, he's shooting at something on the roof with him. He falls off the roof, and the sleigh is empty in the two panels where he's falling and when he lands. And then when this, the final panel, when the sleigh flies away, uh, Santa is sitting in the sleigh. And I probably have given more thought to this than it really deserves. But then again, it, it deserves some time to, to just... Savor it, you know, like the way that when you when you taste a, a fine wine or a a nice cheese or something, and don't get me wrong, it's definitely cheese, but when you know, you just hold it in your mouth and taste it, you know, and, and that's what I'm kind of doing here is just holding that in my mouth and tasting it and thinking to myself, this is absolute ridiculous fun. Uh, and so... That's why I wanted to take the time here on Christmas Day. You know, take uh, about a half an hour or whatever it takes to record this and and set up the the blog and and, and upload it. But uh, just wanted to share this with you. It's a bonus episode, and the intended Christmas episode is the previous one, episode one sixty three. So if this comes up in your feed, you know just know there's another Christmas episode right before this one that's about. Uh, I don't know. I, I If I were to do a head-to-head contest between the Justice League and this House of Mystery, I don't know who would win. I do know this. I win. <laughs> I had a fun read last night as I was waiting for my kids to go to sleep so I could put out the presents. And that is this episode of the Comic Book Time Machine where I got to go back in time to 1977 and enjoy the House of Mystery Christmas. So until next time, have a Merry Christmas. And Godspeed. <laughs>